Oracle of Luna is a podcast with me, Bridget Ingalls, as your host. Here we have conversations with real live present day goddesses who are actively and courageously doing their magical work in the world. Each episode is a bewitching journey with relevant discussions on topics such as Wiccan pagan spirituality, writing, culture, magical practices, art, ritual, and the craft in its many forms. Merry meet and welcome to another episode of the Oracle of Luna. Today we have Frances Billinghurst. She is a witch, an author, an occultist, an esoteric lecturer. Welcome, Frances. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, so how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I'm in Adelaide, South Australia. The sun is shining and it's feeling good. Ah, awesome. And it's uh, springtime there, right? Yes, they call it sort of late spring. We're coming up to, we've just had the spring equinox. So we're sort of in that process where the energies of the earth, we can really start feeling them heating up and spinning. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. It's the opposite here. Of course, we just, uh, today is the 1st of October and we're heading into Samhain season in the dark half of the year. So um, we've got a lot to unpack here and I have a lot of questions for you. Um, so I'm just going to uh, jump right in. Sounds good to me. Okay. So first off, I'm just curious, how did your spiritual journey with witch witchcraft begin? Right, that could actually take a whole okay. series. <laughs> in a, in a, in a brief nutshell, like I know you're in Australia and I'm sure that has an influence yeah. on you, but um, yeah, how, how did it all start for you? Right, yes, well, I'm actually from country New Zealand. Oh. So I, I grew up in the country, had the sort of the cycles of life, death, rebirth of the animals, maybe not the rebirth, but life and death definitely around me all the time, connecting with nature. However, it wasn't until, I'd say, 1990 where I actually moved countries and came to Adelaide, the city of churches, ironically. And at that time, the New Age metaphysical scene just was exploding everywhere. So I was in my element even before I left New Zealand. I was beginning to explore um, various religious, spiritual practices because being country-born, I didn't have, my well, parents didn't really have much to do with church or establishments like that. My father, mm -hmm. I think, is still a, an atheist today. My mother, at one conversation, I think she said, well, maybe I'm a Quaker if we had Quakers. So that's what <laughs> our, I didn't have religion, oh. orthodox religions shoved down my throat like some people do yeah. as well. So I had that freedom. Yeah. But, Were yeah. you in college at that time or high school or? Yeah, high school, um, even when I um, left school and was working, it was when I started, you know, I spent probably a week being a Baha'i and a week being something else. 
nothing sort of resonated, but it wasn't until moving to Adelaide in particular and being starting getting involved in the new age scene or the metaphysical scene that things started so doors started opening and I think that's basically the journey of my spiritual witchcraft magical path is that doors have always seemed to open yeah um the um getting involved with the metaphysics this was a lot of sort of eastern based philosophies um so this is sort of extends through my interest in metaphysics um understanding the evolution of the soul that there's more to us than just this physical body on this plane i also got interested in celtic mythology and that was another huge marker point in my life but before I headed off to England to dance around stone circles, which was part of my Celtic mythology tour that I went on. I basically went for a walk around my neighbourhood. So this would have been still early 1990s. And it sounds like something out of a Hollywood movie. I came across a shop that was offering a course on ceremonial magic. And at that time, I think the only introduction I had to witchcraft or real magic as opposed to sort of stage illusion was a secondhand book I'd picked up called um, Wicca Old Religion in the New Age by Vivian Crowley, which I, I knew nothing about it. So I was, I was actually reading this at, at work during my lunch break. <laughs> the horror of some people. I didn't realize that. We got to read it sometime, are. right? <laughs> yeah, just reading it. Going, oh, this is really interesting stuff. And then came across this course for ceremonial magic going, well, that sounds interesting. I'll just attend I have no more idea about that and that led I guess to the slippery slope where after the course had finished um, I was invited to join the coven and it was a coven magical group Um, and I think I sort of found my niche there but because of my interest in the study in Celtic mythology the tour to England came up so I think it was only in the group for about nine months to start off with. Then went over to England, danced around stone circles and was beginning my element there. Ended up in Cardiff in Wales where um, I then, so my life is sort of like opening up doors. I had the opportunity to join a coven run by, and I don't mean to name drop, but David Rankin that maybe some of your listeners know. He's a well-known occultist sort of researcher these days um so i was very blessed to work with him and his partner at the time ariadna radford and they were more alexandrian focused and then the the opportunity for initiation came up but for some reason i think because i was still traveling i wasn't living in england properly i still had the idea of moving back to australia I basically, when they, I said, you know, would I be interested in initiation if I did this as the process, blah, 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 I actually ran away to the Isle of Skye and danced around small stone circles up there. Oh, wow. Um, it wasn't, yeah, so I was more sort of like experiencing yeah. the ancient culture thing that I was over in England time. So yeah. then eventually I removed back, returned back to um, Australia in 1997. Uh, got back in touch with the original group that I had been in. We then went through the initiation process there that uh, at the time I was led to believe was Alexandrian. So there's been this sort of Alexandrian form mm. of witchcraft 
um, theme that's been part of my life. Right. And over that time, as the years progress, I'm involved in other sorts of magic. I've met a lot of wonderful people. Interesting enough, a lot of them seem to have a connection with the Alexandrian tradition of magic. I founded my own coven in 99, Temple of the Dark Moon. Mm, right, yeah. I'd like to talk to a little bit about that. Um, so you start a Temple of the Dark Moon, that's your own coven, and as a high priestess there, uh, what does this entail? And what kind, what kind of rituals are you honoring there or celebrating? Right. Yeah, it's gone through various sort of, I call them incarnations, and it's actually in a sort of hiatus period at the moment. I got um, sick. I had, was diagnosed with cancer in 2015. Oh. So oh. things sort of, so things sort of like came to yeah. a bit of a halt. Sure. And yeah. I'm in that process now of sort of finding out, you know, what I can offer. So I've actually undergone reinitiation to have direct lineage back to um, Alexander's and Maxine Sanders. So, mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. like, and so there's a lot of sort of sorting out as to what I have been sure. doing. But before, before all that happened, um, the name itself has caused, say, a few questionable emails being, re- being received because, I, you know, people of the dark moon, and I don't know if people still assume it these days, but, when I formed it in the late nineties, dark meant sinister and vampires, and I was getting people wanting who wanted to do all of that sort of stuff. And it's just like no, I use the word dark from a more esoteric perspective, especially when you're looking at the moon and you work with the moon yourself. The mm-hmm. dark phase of the moon is the hidden yeah. aspect. It's it's the introversion. It's the going within, and and also to sort of reclaim the gifts that are inside of us to understand us and this is where we sort of venture into sort of the underworld realms where all the goddesses sure. and gods who are usually associated with that realm are all the keepers of the, the knowledge sort of thing yeah so, so do you uh, meet in person or is online or a combination of both it's it i'm i'm very old school i like person Person-to-person yes. contact, I find it um, it's easier. You know, the Alexandrian tradition itself, though I can't speak for everybody in there, I can only speak for me, is actually a tradition that is common-based. Um, the individuals, we can do whatever we want on our own sort of turf or our own time sort of thing. But it is the rituals are designed for common, and that's the sort of working of, I find, where magic truly happens. Not saying that you can't do it on your own. Yeah. Over uh, online, that's sort of more that can be done teaching. We've done a little bit of that, but um, as I said, we've had a, a huge hiatus with life events happening. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you've been busy, yeah. and uh, you also run the Mystic Mystic Soul Academy. Mystical, what, what's that? <laughs> Mystical Soul Academy. Yeah. This sort of I've been trying to sort of because I have. I, I view myself, I have two different angles. I have what I call the witchcraft, the woo-woo stuff, and then I have the metaphysical, um, esoteric science stuff. And to me, it's they these different threads all interweave. Yes, um, yes. They all influence each other. I mean, when we're talking about magic and witchcraft, that works of energy, that works of evolution of the soul, that higher consciousness connecting with the divine or the cosmos, whatever you want to perceive in it. I see all that interconnected. Unfortunately, yes. 
some people who are interested in the metaphysics and the esoteric sciences are still very scared about and the witchcraft, the magical stuff. They they want mm. to keep it separate. And I've always been sort of like someone referred to me as a facilitator, more of a teacher. I want to sort of like help people understand their place in the universe, especially this day and age where there's you know we've gone through a lot. Um, the world's changing. People aren't coping with every aspect in their life. And yes, magic can help that, but magic to me isn't. Uh, if you've got underlying sort of issues or blocks in your own sort of psyche, you've got unresolved or unresolved trauma. Magic's not going to help make your life any better. It may be used as a band aid solution. But you need to start really working on yourself right. as well. So some people, it depends on where they are at and also, I suppose, coming from a more religious strand of witchcraft where I believe in deity and gods and goddesses and I and that connection and also having this deep interest in the sacred stories, which is mythologies. Yes. It's sort of a way of weaving in sort of gods and goddesses that I particularly have sort of a more personal relationship with, let's say, someone may have with their interpretation of God, that I can weave the stories in and they then they can use, say, the gods and goddesses that I worship as archetypes through the stories and also get a very similar result. And it's sort of like coming to the same end point but from a different angle sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And so I, I just wanted to um, kind of direct our listeners to uh, Francis's amazing book, Encountering the Dark Goddess, A Journey into the Shadow Realms. And I am thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and within this book, you, you use myth and the dark goddess op- um, archetypes to um, help heal and connect with our shadow self. And can you talk a little bit about this book? Yes, um, and, and I'm so grateful that, that you're enjoying it. It's, yeah, I love it. It's, it's received a mixed reaction, and I think huh. it stems from people's sort of preconceived ideas of dark goddess, spooky yeah. goddess. Um, yeah, the word dark goddess. scares people. <laughs> yes, and also, and again, as I said, some of how, how I actually approach the dark goddess, I see goddess as divine, and these are all different aspects of her. And yes, you can use those archetypes. I'm big at connecting probably on a more personal level. And then I, that shows it comes from my background in metaphysics. A lot of it is sort of connecting and then going within. And some of the goddesses in the book may raise a few eyebrows, like more than a fae. Some people think, well, she's not a dark goddess. But when you start unpeeling her story, not all dark goddesses are scary, spooky. I think our mm. the darkness... The scariest, like when Christians talk about demons, the biggest demons are actually in their own head. Yeah. Yeah, part of their own makeup. And so it's, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a counsellor, but this is sort of based on, I said, so trying to unpack and understand who I am and what works best for me to why do I react in a certain way um, when I've gone through, you know, life events, in particular like um, being diagnosed with a, you know, with cancer, these are the things that I pulled upon um, 
when you go through dark nights of the soul, especially I feel in a way with Christianity, you've got a support network, but if you're not in that sort of support network, um, regardless of how you perceive it, so, say within paganism or witchcraft, you don't often get that support. There's not often the resources there, say, if you go through death or ending of anything. And so it's not just death of a person. Right. Just the life cycles, life, death, and yeah. rebirth. We're constantly going through all these cycles, constantly. Yes. We're in a society where death is the end, and it's just like, no, death is, as I said, the life cycle, there's rebirth that comes through it. And sitting with these, suppose, these darker deities, I, I've done this book on the dark goddess because I think that the energy of the dark god is different. Um, mm. And that's one of the, my projects. Sometime I'd like to sort of do a companion book mm -hmm. with the dark, dark gods. Yeah. The dark goddess, because there's a different feminine energy, and a lot mm -hmm. of it is, you know, like come with me, child, and sit and go within, and right. that's where I am, and it's this big sort of comfort or this sort of realization, you know, looking in the mirror and seeing, like, some of the goddesses, like Hal from the Norse myth, she's got both a face of that's flesh. And also half her face, which is bone. So she strips back the layers. And when we start stripping back the layers that we've sort of added to ourself, our psyche to exist in the world, then we find our place, we'll find ourselves in a place where maybe we don't know who we are, what right. resonates with us. But the, 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 that goddess, my understanding, doesn't just leave us there. She then takes us even further and say, this is who you really are. And this is where my interest in metaphysics come in. But that's, she almost gets us back into our sort of our soul self, what our soul mm -hmm. originated to do when it incarnated on this plane. So that's yeah, and that's what the purpose of these dark goddesses are. I feel like since starting to read your book, that they transform us and they put us, um, our souls um, back on the path where, for our highest alignment or evolution. And yeah. that, and that can be scary because you have to um, it be initiated and also, um, you know, confront your shadow self, which uh, many people are afraid to do. <laughs> it's hard work. It, it certainly is. And I mean, I'm on social media, but this is one thing that with our social media driven society, it looks easy. It looks perfect, but it's right. not. It's messy. It takes time. And there's a, I think he's actually a Jungian psychologist or psychoanalyst. He's a poet called Robert Bly. And he does a quote, and I'm, this is going to be a really bad paraphrasing of it. And he says basically, first 20, we drag this bag around with us. In the first 20 years of our life, we shovel the stuff in the bag that we don't like or people tell us aren't good enough or whatever. So this is all our shadow. Um, things that we reject, that we refuse to own, that we, you know, we don't like about ourselves, that you, know, you can't be too good at this because you'll stand out and you, we don't want the attention or we're not getting the attention that we want. You know, we're not getting the love from our parents, so we will put that in, in our bag. And then we get to, he says 20, I say it's probably 25 these days. Then we get to a stage where we start pulling all the stuff out and that's shadow work. It's mm. finding and it's taking ownership, it's taking responsibility. And another aspect, it brings about change. And humans as a whole, we don't like change. We like no. stability, conformity, 
we've gone through a few years of change and self-reflection and look at us now we none of us liked it no it's hard work and you know well, going through a grief cycle, any kind of death cycle, any in, in the process of, of change, uh, we all we go through those emotions of, you know, where am I? What am who am I? And, you know, the dark goddess can meet us there and comfort us and, and direct us and guide us through that transformation. And that's why she is so powerful. And, and she uh, also, yeah, she also offers us a space to just be and grieve. Yes. And in, in our modern world where it's all it's very capitalistically driven, yes. it's all about production, you know, we push these emotions to the side again. They create our shadow. Um, you know, big boys don't cry. You know, what are you doing? You know, you're still, you know, whimpering over something that happened like yesterday or five minutes ago, you know, you know, big girls' blouse and things like that. They're all sort of very negative connotations. But what they're actually doing, we are emotional beings. This is, if you're talking about evolution of the soul, the reason the soul incarnated into this physical being is to experience emotions in particular. And mm -hmm. instead of shutting them down, you know, we can't be too happy, we can't be too sad, let's all just, you know, you know Prozac ourselves out and just become zombies. Mm, yeah. But, but the dark goddess gives us the space where we can just be and allow these emotions to move through us and then we can acknowledge them. This is all sort of like very Jungian base. Yes. And let, let go right. of them. For we can, like the, one of the sort of more popular myths that people do use when they do shadow work is the descent of the goddess Anana. Right. And that leads me to my next question. Um, you are a psychopomp uh, to guide people to the shadow realms or the other world. Is that correct? Yes, I, I would say that. I have <laughs> actually done training as um, not only with my interest in the dark goddess, which I've been doing for yeah. over 10 so years, and I suppose from the, my angle of working with the dark goddess, but I've also... Um, and this came out of my own sort of illness back in 2015. And I've always had an interest in sort of death, dying, and the, the world's perception of it, because there's so many different cultural perceptions of it, even yes. in the West. And this led for me to to train. Um, my training was at, called um, a death walker, so it's could be ah. a death doula, end-of-life transitionist. So it's more about sort of sort of – I wouldn't say educating people on death, but having those awkward discussions around this process in life that is very natural, yes. yet we all sort of regret it or, or avoid it. And when we do that and when it comes, because we're all going to go through it, then we start panicking because we have we had our bucket list, we have the unresolved you know, problems of family and friends and whatever. Regrets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we are probably more prepared. And you think about it, when a woman's about to give birth, she's probably more prepared, got more support mechanisms around her, has a more right. better idea of what's going to happen. Then so if we're at the other end of the spectrum, there's very few yeah. mechanisms. And I don't know if it, what it's like in, the, in America, but over here in Australia, you know, you, our parents were elderly get to a certain age. We pack them off to an old folks' home. We ignore them. We, you know, they get in the way. They become a burden. 
And it's just like we're yeah. now missing, you know, the wisdom. We don't see mm. age anymore. We've got 20-year-olds telling us about wrinkles, and I'm going, uh. Well, you know, in the past, in the ancient past, you know, the druidesses or the priestesses were the guardians of the threshold of birth and death. And, you know, I guess maybe Catholic nuns are similar sort of in that perhaps, yeah. but there's nobody, like you say, it's it's a empty, uh, you know, it's an empty hole at the end of, end of life who transitions us and how, how does yeah. that happen? And what does it mean to go through death? And yeah, it's um, it's a big and mystery. When it comes back to what we were saying earlier, I mean, death, okay, this is, we're talking about physical death, but death could be just the end of a relationship, the end yes. of a job. End of a job, end of a project, end of, uh, yeah, like you say, yeah. We've, we've gone through, we've gone through sort of an end of our, you know, the life that we knew until the pandemic happened. And it's just like, we, we've all gone through that regret, that, that grief. And we're not prepared. And there's a so psychopomp that's the role of the psychopomp is to guide people into the underworld and also to guide them out again yes. as well. Yeah. Through that transition. And is it it's just a guide, it's not someone who can magically turn you into um, a great believer or sort of wave their magic wand and make all of the sort of fears to go away, but they're just a guide to show you maybe different interpretations, maybe going, well, why are you thinking like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I suppose I've also done training in yoga, which is inter- interesting because I'm not quite a person who would sort of pretzel myself up, but I did the training more because I'm interested in the philosophy. Yeah. And and again, they talk about this is the endless cycle of death, birth, and rebirth. Yes. So moving moving on, because uh, we're running out of time here, I just wanted to kind of touch base on your other books. You've, you're such a prolific author of several books. Can you talk a little bit? And we just had the Harvest Moon here in, in the mm-hmm. U.S. And um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your latest book, which is also amazing. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's called On Her Silver Rays, A Guide to the Moon, Myth, and Magic. So what inspired you to start writing about this? It's a it's a great book to all my listeners. I highly encourage everybody to read it. What inspired you, Francis, to uh, start well, writing? I suppose being country-born, being of a tradition that our goddess is a lunar goddess, to start off with, um, I've had this huge collection of lunar stuff. And I suppose what actually inspired me was it's very popular these days to work, you know, manifesting with the new moon and vanishing with the, you know, waning yeah. moon. And that what seems to do, and no one seems to do anything else. You know, I'm <laughs> just being sort of, what, what, you know, I'm being very judgmental here. But I'm old school, as I said. And I personally find, again, we're sort of looking at a superficial level when I work with the moon, I sort of take it the next step down because, again, it's a lot of my background coming through. Anything when I'm working with magic or the moon, I, I'm wanting deeper change for me. And this is where um, so there's a, a magical oxium as above, so below, as within, so without. So if we're looking at changing the world around us, we also need to change our own selves within so again, I'm getting back into everything. Yes. I said, it comes around in circles. It's all these interweaving webs. 
So working with the moon, it's like looking at whether the moon is in your own natal chart. I mean, I'm not an astrologer, so it's taken a long time to sort of like understand some of these places. Then looking at, say, what astrological sign the moon is in. And then to say if we're wanting to bring stuff into our lives, we have to make sure that there's room in our lives for something new to come in. So when we banish things at the new, at the waning moon, make sure that it's truly banished so that we truly can let go. The dark moon is, is that magical period of rest and reflection and where we can just be and sit. And then I suppose also being a bit of a gardener too, we, then we plant our seeds or we think about the seeds that we want to plant. And when we sort of look a little bit deeper as to astrological phases and sort of taking into consideration if there's other planets like we're coming up to an eclipse, the energies of that, then what we might want to manifest may change. And I did notice of interest, like in the last couple of years, all those new moons that we had when we were all in lockdown and if, you know, the world was going crazy with this you know, difference of opinions, a lot of the, the moons, especially the new moons where everybody else was saying, let's manifest, manifest. But all the angles, all the other planets were actually telling us to, no, wait, sit, release, you know, there's stuff we need to let go of. Yes. And yes. that's what I was doing. So it sort of takes, you know, the moon magic is very popular. And when I had just sent my manuscript off to the publisher, I went to probably the one and only bookshop that we have here in Adelaide these days, and they had a whole shelf of moon books. And I'm going, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> my book going to stand out. It does, and it's it's an amazing work of art and writing and there's just so much packed into it, a lot about moon magic, goddesses, myth, even the specifics. Everything. Everything, yeah. So it's really a wonderful book. So, yeah, I I wanted to just touch base on and ask you what your upcoming plans are for the future. And do you have any new new books on the horizon or workshop or conferences, events you want to briefly tell us? Um, I do have a couple of sort of plans out there. Um, one of my favourite goddesses is Kali from the mm-hmm. Hindu mythology. And at the start of each year, so this will be around by the 8th of January, I do what I call a 21-day sadhana. So the sadhana is a magical journey. Mm-hmm. This is East-based where every day you receive an email about working with Kali. It could be her myth. It could be sitting up with an altar. It could be prayers. And you're left to your own devices. So you get this resource about how to really deeply connect with Carly because she is very complex goddess. Yes. And uh, but I also have a number of courses on um, a platform called Udemy. I've got a Celtic okay. Goddess course there. I've got another one on Carly and also an introduction to the Dark Goddess on Udemy. And I think they often have sales. Um, so around about $24, um, I think that's US. Okay. A little bit cheaper. Okay. And I am currently working on a big online international event that will be taking place next oh, year. Oh, what's the name of that? It's called Reawakening the Sacred Cell. Um, I originally did it in Mar- May this year. And so I'm repeating a theme. Well, it's a little bit of a different theme. It's about looking at our spiritual practices and how we can the first one was how we can sort of align that with our soul-driven, you know, call for the, this world. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this one is sort of how we can sort of deepen that and to bring it into our everyday reality. So okay. we might be spiritual people. We do our practices. We do our moon magic. How and get it? It's like how we can bring that through to make really deep changes in our life. Ah, I like it. I like it. Bring it full circle. (laughs) Yes. It sort of brings the onus back on to us. uh, Yeah. What are we doing? But all that information is on the Mystical Soul Academy webpage. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I was going to ask you as we close here, what what is your website? Can you tell our listeners? Yes. So it's mysticalsoulacademy.com. Okay. Um, So that's all one word. Okay. it's just I've just sort of like revamped an old web page. I'm I'm getting them sort of plating things, but okay. I'm also on Facebook. So Mystical Soul Academy also has a Facebook page as well. I have a Facebook page. I'm Francis Billinghurst, author. The Temple of the Dark Moon has a Facebook page. And um, is the Temple I, of the Dark Moon a website also? It is. I'm in the transition period of okay. moving. Um, the website so okay. sort of like the Facebook page I'm on Instagram which is just a collection of stuff that I find of interest I also yeah. have a YouTube YouTube channel which again I do a weekly sort of three card reading I sort of do my interpretations of it what are astrology things around the full moons and new moons and fantastic well I thank you so much uh Francis for being on us on the, our show today and I wish you the best of luck on all your future endeavors and I just love the books that I've read so far and it's been an honor chatting with you today thank you Bridget for asking me to attend it's been fantastic yeah. speaking with you yeah so uh, I'm going to sign off now blessed be and uh, blessed Samhain good uh, rest of your day there Thank you, and blessed so on, and we're coming to Beltane, so Beltane to everyone. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the opposite, that's right. <laughs> yes. All right, happy Beltane. Blessed be, everybody. Bye-bye.